Good morning, Grace Free Church Online. I'm so happy that you could join us this morning. I want you to know something. That's that. I know that God has you here for a reason, and I'm so excited for the message that we're going to be diving into today. And I'm excited to finally be back up here one more time this summer for this internship to preach one more time. I've been enjoying this so much, and I'm so thankful uh, for the opportunities that God has been giving me to be here and to preach, and I'm more excited for the message that he has prepared for us today. So the series that we've been diving into lately, it is Search Party, and I just, I love the title to this, and just a recap as far as where we're at in this series and what we've been talking about, uh, it, this, all, this is all in Luke chapter 15, and I just want to recap real quick the audience, the setting, the reasoning, what, like, what's going on. Uh, in Luke 15, verse 1, it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. This is our audience. This is our setting right now. Jesus, he's just chilling. He's hanging out with the bros. He's hanging out with these sinners and tax collectors. And then we got these religious leaders uh, being party poopers just coming in. And they're like, who, who are you to hang out with these people? Religious people are supposed to separate themselves from such. And after they're done muttering this, these comments under their breath, Jesus responds to them. He, he gives them his reasoning as to why he's hanging out with them, why he's with them. We find out that he, he gives his reasoning with three parables, all of them with something that is lost. What Jesus is sharing is his heart, and that's what he mainly wants us to take away. It's his heart and how he longs for those who are lost. And today, we're going to be diving into Luke 15, starting at verse 8, which is the parable of the lost coin. Now, before we jump into this passage, let's pray real quick. Dear God, I thank you so much uh, for this opportunity you've given us uh, to dive into this message and to dive into your word. I pray, God, that you would help us to set aside any distractions uh, that we have and that we would take this time just to directly focus on you, focus on your word, and I pray, God, that you would speak into our hearts. Don't let me get in your way. God, just simply use me as a vessel. Speak through me. And I pray that you would help all of us to remain focused on you and what it is you have to say to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The parable of the lost coin. Luke 15, starting at verse 8. This is what Jesus says. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp? sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. We have a woman in this story who lost her coin. She misplaced something. I think we can all probably relate to her, maybe. I mean, we misplace things quite often, don't we? There is a, there's a certain individual 
in uh, my household. I won't call out the particular family member, um, but there's a certain person that asks a question, and we frequently hear this question a lot, and it's this. Can somebody call my phone? I can't find it. I mean, I can't believe, like, it is ridiculous how many times my mom asks that. Oh, sorry, definitely didn't mean to call you out right there. No, but seriously, uh, she loses her phone, misplaces it a lot. How about the TV remote? I know, I know all of us can relate to that, losing the TV remote, can't find it, and all of a sudden, we go crazy. We're searching all over the house for it in places that we would never actually put the remote. I have a personal one that's honestly my favorite. I have a theory. I want you to hear my theory. So whenever I do laundry and I put my clothes in either the washer or the dryer, whichever two, it doesn't matter, um, whenever my clothes are in the process of washing or drying, I have a theory that while the clothes are in the machine, that there is actually a portal that opens up into another dimension that only accepts individual socks. I, I mean, that, that's my personal struggle. You can, you can agree with me, you can disagree with me, but in all honesty, I would rather lose a pair of socks than an individual sock. There's nothing more frustrating than getting to the end of the laundry basket when you're folding your clothes and realizing you don't have a match. I, I'm being honest right now. That, that's something I misplace frequently. And we, we misplace a lot of items. In this story, what we're dealing with right now is a lost coin. That's what Jesus is using in this story. Now, with this message, there's going to be four main points that we're going to focus on. Four points that we're going to dive into very deeply. And this first point that we're going to look at, it focuses on value and identity. I just want to read the first part of verse 8 right now. Jesus says, or suppose a woman. Stop right there. That is what Jesus says, the first words that come out of his mouth, the character that he decides to use while making this parable is a woman. That makes this a lot more significant because we need to understand the status of women in that culture. Women had a very low social status. They had very low position. They were pretty much down there right next to slaves. Their opinions held not much weight, not at all. Uh, The men would not talk to them like during the daytime. Like they held such a low position. They didn't really matter a whole lot. But what sticks out to me is that Jesus uses a woman in this story. Very similarly, in the parable before it, the parable of the lost sheep, he uses a shepherd, someone else also of low status and low position during this time. And that, that sticks out to me so much because to Jesus, it doesn't matter what your status is. The insignificant in society are significant to Jesus. It, it doesn't matter what your status is to Jesus. It doesn't matter to Jesus on what your family life looks like, whether if you come from a great family or a broken family. It doesn't matter to Jesus what job you have, whether if it's a job that's looked very highly upon or one that's looked down upon. 
to Jesus, it doesn't matter what your income looks like, whether if you're rich or if you're poor. To Jesus, it doesn't matter how many followers you have on social media, whether if you have that blue verification check showing that you're popular or if your followers are in the single digits. To Jesus, it doesn't matter how religious you claim to be. None of that stuff matters to him. He doesn't care. What matters to him is you. You are valuable to Jesus. Jesus cares about you. And that's, it's so significant that Jesus uses a woman in this story. The insignificant have significance. And this all plays a lot with identity. Like where you, how, how you see yourself, where you place your own identity. I want you to know that God, God sees you as valuable. That is how he sees you. And I want to ask you, where do you place your identity? Do you place it in your possessions? Do you place it in your career? Do you place it within your relationships? Today, I want to encourage you to place your identity in Christ. Because when you place your identity in Christ, what happens is all all of a sudden we start seeing ourselves in the same way God sees us. And God sees us as valuable. In Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 25, here we are already visiting the Sermon on the Mount again. In Matthew 6, Jesus explains to us how valuable we are to God. How God loves us so much, how he cares for us so much, how he will meet us right where we are at and provide for us. Jesus says, look at the birds in the sky. It's like, you don't see them sow, reap, or store their own food in barns. No, your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable than birds? He also says, look at the birds and the lilies and the flowers in the field. You don't see the flowers clothing themselves or making their own clothing. Then yet, look at how beautifully God has dressed them. And if God cares so much about how beautiful the flowers look in the field, when in a couple days they're going to end up withering away, how much more do you think he cares about you? You are valuable to God, and I want to encourage you, see yourself in that same way. He cares about you and loves you more than you think. When he looks at you, he sees something significant. You have value. And we also need to look at uh, the coins. It says the woman has 10 silver coins. Now, during this time, one of the silver coins would have represented one day's wages. And for this woman, for her to lose a coin out of what she has, that meant, that, that meant a lot to her. This coin mattered a lot to her. Now, one thing we need to make sure we don't do with parables here is that we don't pick them apart every single little detail. Because we need to understand parables, they're just these stories that Jesus would make to to teach something. This was a teaching tool. Parables are just earthly stories that have heavenly meanings. When we look into parables, we're not supposed to dissect every single little part thinking everything has a spiritually deep meaning. No, instead, Jesus wants us to focus on the point. The point here is that the woman here lost a coin. 
a coin that matters to her a lot. And she is looking for this coin, it is lost. And that leads us into our second point. Our second point, that now it focuses on searching carefully and seeking diligently. When, you, when we read the rest of verse 8, it says this, Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? This woman goes into straight-up detective mode. She lost the coin, it mattered to her, and now we're looking for it. But one of the key words in that statement is carefully. Jesus puts a lot of focus and emphasis on the search. You know, she's not just glancing over the house. No, she's searching carefully. Some other translations say seeking diligently. This is persistent looking. And she's looking within her place. I mean, she lost the coin in the house. It would only make sense to search for it in the house. Uh, we, we can relate to this in a way. Let's go back to the TV remote. Say the TV remote is lost, and it's NFL Sunday. Now, I, I don't know about you. Maybe that's not as much of a priority for you, but, I mean, in my house, I could promise you, we come to church and say when we get home, we eat brunch, and then we get ready to watch NFL, and it's past 1 o'clock, and the games have already started, and we can't find the remote, I could promise you, we're going to be searching all over the house. There are going to be couch cushions ripped out. We're going to be searching carefully. We're going to look on top of the TV, under the TV, around the TV, on top of the table, under the table. We're going to look in the living room, the kitchen, upstairs, places the remote wouldn't make sense to be in, but we're going to look in it anyways. But the point is this, is that we lost the remote most likely in the house. We're not going to look outside the house. We're going to look within that place. Another example, uh, a game of manhunt. You may or may not know what manhunt is, but the best way I can explain it is just hide and seek and tag combined with a couple extra rules. Uh, You know, there's two teams, and they come together, and they select on what a base is going to be. And one of the teams hides and goes out, and another team seeks. Now, the hiding team, their job is they have to go out and hide, and then they have to make it back to that base without getting tagged. While then the seeking team is obviously going out and trying to find them and tag them. Now, with this game, there are boundaries. You can't step outside of whatever the boundaries are that are set. You're not going to be looking down a block in the next city looking for someone when you're playing a game of manhunt at a playground. You know, there are boundaries when you're playing that game. You're looking within that place. You're going straight up detective mode, looking for everyone that you can find within the boundaries. We need to look within our own place. The point that Jesus is making here is that there is something lost, and the woman is looking within her place to find it. And throughout all these parables, the point that Jesus is making is his heart and his longing for those who are lost. And I have to ask you today, are you seeking diligently for the lost within your space? What does your space look like? Is it your household? Is it your school? Is it your job? (laughs) Is it your friend group? Or even, is it your church? 
Where is it that you can be searching carefully for the lost? Because then what happens is when we can go out and we find them, we can lead them to God. I want to encourage you, seek after them diligently. Search carefully for them because we all matter. We all have value. Look in whatever place you're in, whatever that looks like for you. Search carefully. What sticks out to me a lot with this passage is uh, at the end of verse 8. It says, she sweeps the house and searches carefully until she finds it. She's not stopping. She's going to look for it until she finds it. There is no stopping. What I see here is motivation. She is motivated to find the coin. There's nothing that's going to stop her. But when you take an outside step and you look at the parable and you look at the context of this story, we see that the odds are against her. She's in a small house, one that probably is not having a lot of light come into the house. She's also using a small lamp. I mean, and she's t- taking this little lamp around without that much light looking in a small rugged house trying to find a coin but you know what she's not gonna stop until she finds it she's motivated you know what else she didn't do she did not wait for someone else to find it she didn't ask someone else to she took it upon herself to find the coin now I have to ask, when we go out and we search for the lost, why is it that we tend to just sit back on the sideline and wait for someone else to work within those who are lost? We, Jesus does not want us to just sit here on the sideline and look out into the world that we live in today and not do anything about those who we see that are lost and unbelievers and those who don't know him. No, he has called us to go out and to make disciples. He has called us to spread the gospel to every creature. We need to be motivated to go out and to spread the gospel, to follow Jesus' example so that others can see it and that will lead them to God. We need to be motivated and it all starts with the heart. Where's your heart? Jesus right now is displaying his heart. His heart is for the lost. He longs for them. He comes to seek after them, and he comes to save them. And I want to ask you today, are you motivated to seek the lost, to search carefully, and to lead them to God? This next part, this next point um, that we go into, it starts in verse 9. And it says, when she finds the coin, thankfully she found the lost coin. When she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. This third point, it's party time. And I mean it, it's party time. What does she do? What is her response? She finds the lost coin. She found what is lost. Her response is the party. And let me tell you something. It ain't a party if you're by yourself. Now, we're calling for a straight celebration. We're calling our friends. We're calling our neighbors. We're partying. We're going to have a good time. We're going to celebrate this lost coin. We're going to do everything we can to just have an absolutely amazing time. We are going to rejoice. We're going to rejoice. Man, I can't, I can't, that was a lot of fun. I'm not going to lie. 
But I'll be honest, that was kind of hard to do that. Now you're probably thinking, is this a little bit exaggerated? I mean, it's just a lost coin. Why are we rejoicing so much over a lost coin? I think Jesus is doing this on purpose. I mean, this woman, she's calling her friends, her neighbors, everyone on the block. She says, rejoice with me. Rejoice is pure joy. I believe Jesus is purposefully exaggerating the celebration in the story because he wants us to understand the greatness of the celebration after one's salvation and when one comes to know Jesus. Man, it is a party. We rejoice. Verse 10 says, In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. There is rejoicing for just one person who is saved and comes to know Jesus. A couple weeks ago, I was at TLC. It's a teen leadership conference. It's a conference held at uh, the school I go to, Clark Summit University. There's hundreds of teenagers and youth and students there. There's a lot of youth groups that go there. And on Thursday night, um, after the speaker was done preaching his message, there's an opportunity that night for anyone who did not know Jesus personally did not have a relationship with him and wanted to commit their life to him and dedicate their life to him, on Thursday night, everyone had an opportunity to pray and to give their lives to Jesus. Everyone had an opportunity to go with their counselors and pray and accept Jesus into their heart. And I will say, praise God, I will say there were a handful of students that night who made that decision. Now, we were in the recreational building uh, for that message, and after the message was preached and we were done, we were heading back to our dorms. Now, I'm, I'm, just, I'm by myself. I'm minding my own business. I'm heading back to the dorm. While I'm heading back, there's this big youth group in front of me walking back to the dorm as well. And they're walking in front of me. I'm, I'm just walking, following them, minding my own business. We walk out of the building, and all of a sudden, this youth worker just comes running past me. And the youth workers for that youth group and he goes, he yells, yo, Vincent! Now, I, I'm, I'm going to assume that's what the student's name was. I think it was, but it doesn't matter. Let's just say it is. He goes, yo, Vincent! The entire youth group just snaps their heads back. And Vincent, he responds. He goes, yeah? The youth worker asks him, he goes, what did you do tonight? Vincent goes, I gave my life to Jesus. And he starts getting hype. He runs over to him. He goes, yeah, you did. He starts hugging him. The entire youth group starts jumping. They're all shouting and cheering. They're going in to hug him. I don't even know who these people are. I, I start getting hype. I start jumping. I start getting excited for this kid. Man, there's nothing better than that. A celebration for just one person's salvation, for one sinner who comes to know Jesus. Man, but I need, to, I need to tell you something. Earthly celebrations, like that one I got to experience right there with the youth group, or even <laughs> the celebration I had right here by myself with the confetti cannon, earthly celebrations do not compare to the heavenly celebration that happens 
when one person comes to know Jesus. And I think that is something that we can all be encouraged by. When one sinner comes to Jesus, a, a person who knows that they're nothing without Jesus, they come to accept him into their heart, into their life, and desire to have a relationship with him. Man, there is a party up in heaven for that one person. The population count in heaven just increased by one. And there's nothing we could celebrate more than that. So with all of this being said, I'll say this as I close. It's the fourth point. It's answering the question, well, now what? I mean, we just, we just got done talking about value and how we all have value. We just got done talking about how we need to search carefully for the lost, not just glance, but searching carefully within our place. And we also got done talking about the party time, the celebration for one's salvation. What now? What is it that we need to do? This is the main idea. And I want to encourage you, if you've been zoned out throughout this entire message, I would ask that you pay attention right here because this is the main takeaway. This is the main thing we need to understand with this. And that is this. We need to undergo a careful search for the lost within our space so that we can discover them and lead them to God because we all have value. We need to search carefully within our place. What does your place look like? What is your space? Is it your house, your school, your job, your church, your friend group? Wherever that may look like, search carefully for the lost. Because we, we all have value. Jesus is sharing that with us. We all have value. He cares about everyone. The insignificant in society are significant to him. Jesus cares about you. He wants to have a relationship with you. Also, we need to make sure that we have the motivation. You can't go out searching carefully for the lost if you are not motivated to do so. And it all comes down to the heart. Jesus displays his heart within these parables. He says, my heart longs for those who are lost. I want to seek after them, and I want to save them. In Luke 19, verse 10, Jesus says this, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus came to seek after those who did not know him personally, and not only that, but he came to save him, because Jesus is the only way. He is the one that comes to save us. We need to have motivation to go out and to search for those who are lost, to seek diligently so that we can spread the gospel to them. We could follow Jesus' example, following in his footsteps so that others may see it because then that will then lead them to God. What we need to do is we need to stop just thinking about people. And we need to start obsessing over souls. Because the Bible's very clear. And that is that there are two destinations after this life. That's heaven and it's hell. Man, we need to long for those who are lost, to those who are unbelievers and don't know Jesus personally. We need to spread the gospel, follow his example. We need to lead them to God because we all have value. 
We need to be motivated. Our hearts need to be for them. And I don't know what your story is. I don't, with where you're at right now, whoever's watching this, I, I don't know what your story is, but maybe you feel like you are that lost coin. Maybe, maybe you feel like you're lost and you're sick of it <laughs> and you want to be found. Maybe there, you, you've never really committed your life to Jesus and had the desire to have a relationship with him, but you do now. Or maybe you're just a little skeptical on your relationship with Jesus. You don't know whether or not if you made that commitment. I want to encourage you to go to him, cry out to him, pray to him that you want to have a relationship with him, that you don't want to be lost anymore, but you want to be found. You don't want to be dead anymore. You want to be alive. Go to Jesus. He's the only way. He is the one who saves us. We all have value. God sees all of us as valuable. And I encourage you to not only see yourself as valuable to God, but see others in that same way because we're all valuable to him. And we need to search carefully for those who are lost so that we can lead them to God. And do not forget to celebrate salvation. Don't forget the heavenly party and rejoicing that is happening when one sinner comes to know Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Let's pray. Dear God, I, I thank you so much for this time that you've given us to dive into your word. And I pray that you would provide us with the boldness and the courage we need to search carefully for the lost, for those who don't know your son Jesus personally. God, give us the boldness to go out in the search in our space, whatever that may look like, whatever our circumstances are. God, give us the boldness to go out and to search. Give us the courage we need to, to spread the good news, to talk about our Lord and Savior Jesus, to follow in his footsteps, to represent you, Lord. Because when other people see our actions, it, it's, if we're following you, it's gonna lead them to you. God, give us the boldness that we need to search out carefully for the lost. I pray that you would work in all of our hearts, soften all of our hearts for the lost and for those who don't know you. Lord, when the body of believers comes together, we all come to search carefully for the lost. It is so powerful. That is what makes an impact, and I pray that you would help us to come together and to do that. Jesus shares here with these parables his heart for those who are lost, and I pray that you would help us to be the same way. Work in our hearts, God. Continue to strengthen us spiritually and help us to focus on you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.